Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I am your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered with the world's most comprehensive refund protection product. To find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect to deliver a world-class customer service experience, better, more customized and personalized buying path, and how you and your organization can create a new stream of revenue, visit them at www.bookingprotect.com. Again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. By the way, are you going to come see me and Simon Mab, Booking Protect CEO, at the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Sydney, Australia on the 14th and 15th of November? I'm going to be giving the opening keynote address on change. Simon's going to be talking about fraud prevention and customer service. And then me and my today's guest, Derek Palmer, are going to be talking about sports business. So get your tickets to the Ticketing Professionals Conference by visiting their website. It's www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Once again, that's www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Also, I'm doing a workshop on Monday, the 18th of November in Melbourne, Australia. Taking a little jump over. Uh, fans for Life, Creating and Keeping Modern Fans is going to be a one-day workshop about marketing and selling to the customers of today and keeping them around for till tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be focused sports business, concerts, theaters, uh, anybody who's trying to create and keep subscribers, members, and customers, fans, whatever term you'd like to use. Uh, you can get those tickets. I'm going to conclude a link in the show notes, but by visiting Eventbrite, and searching for fans for life. It'll be there. There's a new block of tickets just added because it seems that I made an error in posting the thing. So so there are tickets available um, 18th of November in Melbourne, Australia. Also, are you getting my team's new email called Talking Tickets? It's this great thing that my team has put together. It's five top stories from the week along with a quick analysis from me about what's, what the story means to you and your business how you should approach it, and a few ideas on how to think about it. You can get that by visiting my website. There's a link to Talking Tickets. So go there, sign up. It's great. My guest today is a guy by the name of Derek Palmer, who is the COO of QQ. He's on the board of Intix. He is everywhere. Uh, Derek is a good buddy of mine, and this is a podcast that we have put off for about a year because of uh, some stuff that was going on with him moving back uh, to the States from from Europe. Uh, so we finally got a chance to do this thing. Um, this was a really great conversation because we were talking about um, trends and dynamic pricing. Uh, we talked about intakes. We talked about his experience with the Sydney Olympics. We talked about um, marketing and value. And I'm looking at my notes. We talked about a lot. Education, training, um, curiosity, uh, you know, inefficiencies in the market, distribution. Um, we, we covered a whole lot of stuff. We, we previewed the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Australia and also the upcoming Intix Conference in New York City in January. Um, so this is really great. Um, I would hold on till the very end because Derek tells the story about how he, told, how he came about telling, um, I think, Major League Baseball that I was the only marketing person in the world that he knew that wasn't completely full of it. So hang around for that one, okay? But without anything else from me, here's my conversation with Derek Palmer on The Business of Fun.
I want to welcome my good friend Derek Palmer from QQ to the Business of Fun podcast. Derek, man, what's happening? Hey, Dave. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. It's a nice autumn day in D.C. It's one of like three that you get a year, so it's fantastic outside. Um, yeah, meanwhile, it's 91 degrees here in Austin. So fall in Austin as well. Yes. <laughs> so we got a lot to cover here because. You know, we've been putting off this podcast now for almost since the beginning because I said, oh, I, you know, I wanted to wait until I was like a little bit better at this before I had you on. Um, I don't know that I'm better, but I figured eventually I had to have you on. Uh, <laughs> so um, let's start out by talking about the one of the main reasons that we were going to do this today is because we're both going to Australia in a couple weeks now. I guess a month away to speak at the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Sydney on the 14th and 15th of November at the... How do I say it? Paramata? Is it Paramata? Paramata, right. Uh, and it's going to be a fantastic thing. And just announced was you and I are going to be doing a panel together on sports business. Um, you're the, you're Mr. Uh, world of tickets and uh, intakes and everything else. Why don't you give us a little bit of a, um, you do a sales job for the ticketing professionals and intakes because I usually do. So let's, let's change the voice on this. Talk to sure. us about what people are going to learn from us in, uh, Sydney. Sure. I mean, the, the Ticketing Professionals Conference down in Australia is, is really exciting. I mean, as you mentioned, um, currently the, the board chair of the International Ticketing Association, and we're really proud and excited to be supporting this uh, really important conference for, for Oceana. Um, it comes out of a, an extension of the Ticketing Professionals Conference that you and I have attended in the UK over the past couple of years that the Andrew Thomas and others worked so long and uh, so hard to put together. And it's, it, it's really important because, again, from an intake standpoint, the in is supposed to be international. And that hasn't been uh, – we haven't done a really great job of focusing on, on providing value to folks outside of North America over the past couple of years. And so that, that's been a real focus. And so it's, it's both partnering with these regional groups who do such a fantastic job of, of bringing the regional flavor and voice and nuance to the, the overall ticketing conversation, but then being able to get folks like ourselves from North America there local to give those other kind of uh, insights for the different markets. And I think people are going to be really interested. It seems like a great Great panel of folks, both from sports, entertainment, arts. A uh, number of vendors are going to be there. So uh, I'm really excited about Sydney. Plus, it's Sydney, one of my favorite cities in the world. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very exciting. And I was mainly, you know, busting your chops a little bit. But the thing, and I've done a, a lot of selling of the idea. But it's going to be great because uh, Joe and Angela have done a tremendous job of not only just making sure that you get people from all over the world there, which they've done a fantastic job, full stop. They've also done a really great job of getting a mix of industries, right? Because a lot of times you don't always get a good representation of people coming from museums and the arts and then sports and everything. And they've done a really, really great job. And you know, I, I have not been as this excited about doing something in a while, um, you know, uh, and it's going to be great. I mean, you know, I can't say um, anything more about it. Um, I know it's also exciting for you because you're going to get a chance to, you said Sydney was one of your favorite cities, but you also had the opportunity to live in Sydney for a couple of years and work on the Olympics, which I find fascinating because uh, we mentioned a project that will not be named that I was going to work on that was <laughs> of a similar scale. Um, so what was it like working on the Olympics? Like, you know, because I, I never got a chance to ask you that. So this is a good form to ask. Yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. Uh, you know, first of all, I was uh, quite a bit younger and a few pounds lighter, 
um, and going on the other to the other side of the world to live um, in Australia. I traveled, you know, pretty extensively as a child. But as you know, it's much different to go and visit somewhere than uh, go to live and have to understand how to actually, you know, assimilate into a, a culture and do simple things like learn how to buy groceries and things like that. So it was it was a fantastic uh, experience. I worked with some some friends that have become lifelong um, friendships. I was very lucky. Uh, to maintain a reason to go back to Australia while working at, at Tickets.com for a number of years. So I would still get back there usually once or twice a year. So I, I always really enjoy it. And it's it's interesting to go back now and see now that it's 20 years later, which boggles my mind, uh, how much things have changed. But, uh, yeah, Sydney and, and Australia in general always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, one thing that you brought up, too, is the cultural aspect and the, the all the travel and sort of the international flavor, you know, through intakes or through your work with the Olympics. Then you spent a long time in London as part of tickets.com. Uh, and you talked about these cultural issues and people always ask me about like, well, how, you know, how do you do all this international stuff? And I, I go, one of the things that's valuable for me is that I'm just endlessly curious about people. Yeah. And I, and I think I want to ask you the same question is like, well, you know, what are like some of the big takeaways that you've gained from working internationally and how does that impact the work you're doing now at QQ? Yep. Because uh, I mean, I know it's not exclusively in the States, but it is a large, a lot of things in the States. And I find that for me, and, I, and I'm again, curious to hear from you, the things I learn outside of the States are so, so valuable and important when I bring them back because we have this sometimes impression that everything awesome is happening in the States. And like some of the, because of the way the markets are set up, some of the limitations that happen internationally help make these really incredible innovations happen. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back and, and give it a shout out for education and travel as children and as your family and trying to, you know, interact with, uh, as, as many other cultures and things are out there. I think that, that healthy curiosity you described is exactly what, what drives me as well. I, I find it a challenge. Um, growing up, my dad did a lot of international travel and a lot of work. And I remember him telling me that when, when you go to another person's country, it's like going to their house, right? And you need to be respectful of what's important to them and the way that they look at things and, and how, how you want to act within their house. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting, the whole concept of expanding that out to doing business in, in a different culture. Um, and I was, I was lucky. I, I've worked in many, many countries uh, around the world. And I think the key is to listen and to, to understand that the, maybe the approach in trying to solve problems isn't exactly the same for any number of reasons, some of which are valid and some of them are, quite frankly, stupid. But a lot of places, especially in, in live entertainment and sports and ticketing, we all face the same challenges. It's just what is the best way to engage and show value to people that want to engage with your brand or your organization in a way that is comfortable for them and consumable for them and, and, and drive strategies that work. Something that works in Chicago won't necessarily work in Shanghai, and you just need to know that. Yeah, that's – I mean, and I think that that we – how do I want to say this? That's something that translates – should translate very well in the States because – one of the challenges I see when I deal with a lot of organizations in the States is that they do want to take the cookie cutter idea that works in Austin, Texas or in Washington, DC. And I use those two places because that's where we're at right now and apply them in the same way that Tulsa, Oklahoma or Chicago. And it just doesn't work. And I think that one of the valuable tools that I've developed and the things I've learned 
by traveling internationally is to start with, um, I don't know who used started this term, but the beginner's mind. And it's so like, I just always assume, and I say this pretty regularly, I don't really know anything, right? I, I mean, I, I know what's worked in the past, but that's irrelevant to what's going to work now. All mm. I really know how to do is I'm curious and I ask questions and I want to figure out what is going to work for you. Yeah. I'll tell a quick story. So I, when I was living in Australia, they had a vote as to whether or not Australia was going to stay in the Commonwealth. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, well, of course they're not. Why do they want to stay in the Commonwealth? The Queen's you know, way over in England. Australia is such a different place. Of course they're going to vote to leave. And they vote to stay. And I thought that was really interesting. And then when I was living in London a couple of years ago, there was a thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's going really well. It's called Brexit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Interesting I, thing. I remember living in London and thinking, why would they ever vote to leave the European Union? And a very good friend of mine who's actually from, from Manchester said to me, mate, don't ever for a second think that London is England. And I remember on the day of the vote when they voted to leave, you know, where we lived in Primrose Hill and in London, you know, a lot of people seem really upset. But our office, the Tickets.com office, was up in Milton Keynes, which is about an hour or so north of London. And as soon as you got outside of London, people seemed really pleased. And I noted that I really knew nothing, you know, to your point. You know, my, my little echo chamber or my bias or my prejudice of thinking certain things didn't really have – I didn't have enough depth of knowledge of, of what the actual issues were, whether or not you agree with either decision that was reached. It just reminded me that, you know, I was still a visitor. Right. And that's um, the story you tell about Brexit is one that's very similar to um, when people were like, seemed stunned that Donald Trump was elected president of the States. And I took a road trip over the summer of that of 2016 through Maryland and Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana. And I was like, oh, yeah, Donald Trump's definitely going to win, which I had already kind of understood because my feeling of as a marketer is that my key skill is empathy. And it's the, the ability to understand what somebody else is going through or feeling or seeing, not necessarily agreeing with it, but the understanding what somebody else's world looks like. And I was just like, well, yeah, of course, they're going to Donald Trump's going to be president because you can see it. It's everywhere. And, it, and it's the same thing. And, you know, I, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I don't think that'll come as a surprise to anybody uh, because everybody would know that, like, one of the issue things I worked on was uh, the reelection of Barack Obama. So, um, you know, I'm not saying from a political standpoint, but the echo chamber thing is very yeah. important to our conversation because talking to friends of mine who in D.C. who are in the media and they're big, bold face names, they would be like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'll be like, well, I absolutely do. I'm probably, I'm one of the better marketers around and I'm telling you that this is a marketing campaign. It's like a product launch and it, this is going to happen. And it's the same thing for that. I say a lot of times on the podcast, which is like, you are not your market. And the thing is, is like, as soon as you start making these decisions based on what you think is the right thing, then you, you make errors for yourself. And that's a big challenge that echo chamber and tickets really exists because people struggle to understand that like, maybe a consumer doesn't find your website easy to use, right? Or they might not understand that there is this huge difference between a Tuesday night show and a Saturday night show, right? Because they just have no idea, right? All these concepts. And you have to be willing and able to be empathetic for the people you're trying to reach because that will help you sell tickets. Right. At the end of the 
of the day, you're not trying to sell to you. You're trying to sell to them. Yes, exactly right. Their, their opinion is what matters. Yeah, my opinion is absolutely worthless. It's irrelevant. Why? Because I don't know the last time I paid for a ticket to something. Right? I mean, that's just like the way it, way it goes, right? Because people are oh, they're excited when I come to their stadium. But the regular – my neighbor is always like, well, how do you go to all these things? And I go, well, that's because people want me to come to the – they want to show off what they're doing to me. He's like, well, that's just like the craziest thing in the world. And I go, but you have this, everybody has the same thing in their industries. And it's your ability to disconnect your, yourself from your, your lived experience to see somebody else's lived experience. It's very important. And this is a big part of like the cultural thing is like being able to detach yourself from how I see the world as an American and go to all these other places. And the, the house analogy is really great because you go and you show people really a little bit of attention, a little bit of respect, and a, and a little bit of friendliness. And my God, you can go all over the world and people are like excited to see you, which I found to be one of the greatest things ever. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, one thing I do want to ask you about. Um, I, actually, I'll, I'll save this one for the, the last question because I'm gonna, I, I think you know what I'll ask you then. But if, one of the things I do want to ask about is your role in QQ, because you just came back from London. I guess it's been about a year, maybe a little less than a year now. Yeah. Um, and you you kind of taken over um, the role of COO at QQ, and it's been an exciting time at QQ. Um, can you give people a little bit of an idea of what QQ is up to? Because I think they're going to historically know about all of the dynamic pricing stuff you do, but they might not necessarily understand exactly what you're working on and why it's important. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew uh, Dr. Barry Kahn, who's the CEO of uh, QQ, going back to when they first got started. In fact, you know, their, their very first deal uh, with San Francisco Giants about 12 years ago was really a three-way partnership between QQ, the Giants, and Tickets.com. And I happened to be at the other side of the table of uh, on, on the Tickets.com side to, to see that through. Um, and obviously, since then, Barry's been very successful. Expanding um, the the business through North America, you mentioned internationally. We actually uh, do a, a dynamic pricing deal with the AFL uh, down there in Australia, which is which is quite exciting. Um, but the, the, where that all came from was really looking at identifying the inefficiencies in the way that pricing was handled for live sporting events. And people always point at the airline example or the hotel room example and saying that you want to manage yield. And that's absolutely correct. And, and at the time, one of the big challenges was that the large primary ticketing platforms couldn't deal with the granularity um, that was required to really maximize the, the, the value and the yield of the individual seat. And ironically, it couldn't even handle kind of the granularity that was being seen and being uh, taken advantage of on the secondary market side. Because when you don't have an actual manifest zone section, you just have listing level details, you're able to price at a much more granular level. And therefore, you're able to be you know, much more nimble in the, in the way that you're able to price. And so... Dynamic pricing really addresses that quite well uh, from the primary standpoint. And, and as I mentioned, that's, that's something that's become kind of well-known and well-burned well, well burned in, in, in the industry. But recently, 
Uh, one of the other places that's been a real challenge from an efficiency standpoint has been around distribution of tickets and the strategies around distribution of tickets. And that's, you know, been tied to the, you know, kind of advent and, and explosion of, of the secondary markets or, or what's been referred to as the secondary markets. And you had, you know, first of all, you had regional brokers. So you had these people, um, that, that were purchasing large blocks of season tickets. Um, and then using them to resell. And then you had, um, people like, uh, your previous guest, Patrick Ryan and, and, and Ventilect and people come in from a, a real strategy and started approaching that in a, in a smarter way. Um, and from a consolidation standpoint, um, bringing large market positions and working directly with, uh, organizations on those distribution strategies. And so from our standpoint, we looked at that and we, we said, okay, the, the, the same approach that we took from a pricing standpoint should apply to distribution because the reality is that what organizations and rights holders are really looking for is a holistic strategy application that allows you to say, what should our prices be through our box office and how can we distribute our tickets Again, following our organizational strategies, not a third party's strategy around that distribution. And so the idea would be that if you're managing all of your tickets together in one marketplace and being able to be nimble and fluid and make determinations again around pricing strategies through all of those distribution channels, as well as allocation of inventory across all of those different um, uh, distribution channels, that's the most efficient uh, way for a rights holder to really control the overall experience. And the thing that I like about the approach is there's this sort of give and take, right? And I know that if you go back and l- listen to some of the past guests, uh, Sam Sherman was probably the most downloaded episode ever. Uh, he's the CEO of Broker Genius. And I know we had a back and forth about com- tickets being a commodity. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree that the ticket is a commodity, but my stance on that commodity is probably way different than most of the people who are talking about dynamic pricing because I go, if you've allowed the ticket to become a commodity, then that means you're, you're, you've done a poor job of marketing and selling your ticket. And what I like about the way that you've kind of pulled this model together is that you are helping people be able to fight the battle away from making your ticket a commodity because you're able to – I don't want it's, – it's not – really doesn't line up as well, like exactly right between the way things are with an open distribution market in Europe or something like this. But it does allow you to kind of allocate tickets in a certain way, manage the inventory in a certain way, and understand that like if you do need to discount, hey, look, we can put a certain amount of things in a certain area so that like we can kind of control the discounting in a way that it doesn't destroy our brand. Because um, if you're working with somebody whose whole mindset is – distribution and pricing and I'm just trying to make sure I sell the ticket and clear the boards, then you're often putting your tickets uh, under extreme pricing stress. And most of the time that pricing, that pricing stress is pushing down and that just sort of reinforces bad behaviors. And by bad behaviors that may be great for the consumer is bad for us because it's not sustainable. It's also bad for your brand, right? Well, does it say the, the value of what you put out there if, you know, immediately it's, it's a race to the bottom and, and you're racing yourself there. I know, I know you're a huge fan of discounting. So, yeah. Oh, you know me and discounts, right? <laughs> there is a, 
there is a strategy around it. And I think you're, you're exactly right. If you look at the way, you know, an arena or a ballpark or a, a football pitch is selling and you say, you know what, we're having trouble because of whatever reason in clearing this section, this price level, this whatever, but we don't want to destroy our overall strategy, being able to use distribution strategies and again, smart pricing. So not just quick throw out a coupon or drop 20%, but actually looking at the data that exists either from previous sales or projected sales or the interrelation between what you've been selling through the primary and what's out there on the exchanges, you can make more intelligent decisions about what you're doing with your tickets. And you, you being on the podcast is a good is a good reason for me to clarify a little bit of my belief on discounting, um, because it's not a okay. So maybe is a, almost a blanket complete disregard of, of discounts, um, but it's more because there's not a lot of people who are doing it in a thoughtful manner, right? And it's just a. Any discount is a good discount kind of mindset. That's really what I'm fighting against, but it does not necessarily, it doesn't make me quotable. So I'm going to, but, but the, the context is important because if you look at the data, right, and you know, hey, the last five rows of the upper deck are like, they're garbage seats, right? You know, but the value, if we can get somebody in it, you know, maybe the, every, the seats in the sixth row down or, or 20 bucks, we get them in for 10, but then the thing is we sell a couple drinks and, uh, you know, they have a good time and they come back for more. The lifetime custom fan value of that is a much more important thing than what's any one sale. And I think what I like about what you're doing here is like you're taking, that's a consideration, right? Because an empty seat to me is always, a, is a loss, right? Because it's a chance that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, you know, every event's unique. And if I can get people in the door, this goes through my nightclub experience, I can monetize you. That's just always been my philosophy. Well, and it goes back to it being a strategy, right? So if you say, I'm willing to price this section lower, knowing that I'm going to focus on the experience of that section so that someone either comes back and says, you know, I can either have a similar experience at the same price or, you know what, looked really good, those seats down by the field. And now all of a sudden you've taken that $10 person and because they want to share that experience with their friends and family, they're willing to spend 50, 60, a hundred dollars on that. And as you said, fan for life. I mean, we're, we're fan, the word comes from fanatic and the idea that, you know, again, we're rights holders, I, I think have, have in some cases missed the, 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 the goal is that they give up the fact that they have the greatest um, thing that anyone could have. They have that relationship that the fan wants to have. Nobody cares about the ticketing company. Nobody particularly cares in very few cases, the venue. They care about the product, right? They care about the brand of the artist. They care about the team. They care about, um, you know, making sure that, 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 that they, there's a tribal nature to it. And that's the thing that you need to reinforce. And, and if they also feel like, Hey, I've been a season ticket holder for 10 years and all of a sudden the team's really bad and the guy next to me can get tickets for next to nothing. Um, or I'm sitting in a three quarter empty section. That makes me start to feel bad about the brand that I've associated myself with. And that's when I think you really start to lose the fan part of it. Right. Well, you have to, I think this is a common thing that I've developed over the last couple months is that I feel that a lot of times, um, due to all kinds of different factors, and this is going to lead us into trends because I want to ask you about some of the trends you're seeing is that we've lost the narrative of mm -hmm. what it means to market and sell 
a live experience because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the promise of digital marketing. And I saw this report on Facebook the other day that said, oh, they inflated their video statistics between 150% and 900%. Um, Most of the time, I think that relying on somebody else to do your job for you is a bad idea. Uh, You know, and I'm always a key advocate for creating things that you can control, right? Uh, And I know that I don't just talk that talk. I, I walk that walk, right? Like, I mean, the talking tickets newsletter is a key, a key thing, right? That's a, my list, right? And it's like the business of value. This business of fun pockets. They're all assets that I, so I can communicate to people in a manner that's going to be effective for me. And it's going to be a manner that I can deliver to people that are willing to listen to my point of view. And I think that over the last few years, everybody's forgotten what it means to market and sell, right? It's It starts with that emotional connection that somebody has between them and the team they support, right? You bust my chops all the time about the Tottenham Hotspur, but that's an emotional connection that I have. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering when we're going to get to that. Hey, you know, I figure it's better if I take the if I take the piss out of myself. But you know what? I was going to use that as the example, right? You make sure that your kid has a Spurs kit, right, every year. <laughs> yep, exactly right. He actually had, he gets all three of them every year. Child abuse, but you can that. Right? That's right. And yeah. I was saying, like, the good, a good example is that Tottenham Hotspur, and I'm, I'm sure Chelsea has the same thing. I know Man City does a great job with it. The fan club, right? Because, yeah. you know, they might, I think it costs 35 pounds. So it's approximately $50. And yeah. then you get like a, a gift basket. You get a, a birthday card. You get all kinds of crap from them, right? But the greatest thing is, is that I renew that thing every year. And because I get it and they market to me consistently, I buy my kid. Like I get him the, the home kit. Then I'll get him an away kit, right? Oh, yeah. I want to get an Endem Belly kit. Okay, great. So like he gets one or two kits every year. So then what have I, what have they charged me? Uh, you know, then I made, they made a couple hundred pounds off of me each year. Then I go to London, right? I go to the match. You get a couple more hundred more pounds off of me. <clears throat> then I go to, then I, I buy a couple beers, right? All of these things add up. I mean, in the, the two or three years that I've been following Spurs, they probably, I live in Washington DC and I'm in, I'm in London twice a year, right? Um, they probably have, um, being half a world away, they still have probably made a thousand or fifteen hundred pounds off of me in three years, right? From somebody who's not in their home market, who is like an occasional visitor to London. If you take that across all over the world, especially this is more sports specific, how much money are you leaving on the table by not being thoughtful about the way you're developing and keeping your fans? But but the key is is that you you love it, right? You wait for the kids. Of course. I can't wait. The connection that you have there. If if you swapped out Spurs or sports team for that's what I had to do to, you know, get a widget. You'd be pissed. You'd be like, oh, yeah, and then every three months I have to get another widget or do that. But it's that, going back to what you said, the connection with the the fandom, the connection with the brand that makes you happy to shell out that money. I mean, I get up. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to get my new kit. To watch Chelsea play, you know, and my girls get up with me. We sing the songs. And we're happy. Of course, we win a lot. So, you know, that makes it a lot easier on, like, you know, your, your squad. Well, we, until this year, we were winning a lot. <laughs> so let me, <laughs> so I think though, that's, I mean, that's the point though. It's like, you can't lose the script on the, and let me plug my fans for life seminar in Melbourne, um, because this is, we're going to cover all this stuff, but it's, it's just a key thing is like, you have one of the best relationships and the most emotional things going. 
don't squander it because of laziness or stupidity. Right. Yep. I mean, I can't say it any less forcefully than that, um, because I would be doing myself a disservice. You know, it, it, every chance you get connect, right. And build these assets, right. Don't lose sight of the email. Don't lose sight of the website. Don't lose sight of these things you can control because people have this irrelevant message. It's one that's anticipated and it's one that people take action on. And it's just a missed opportunity. So when people talk about tickets as a commodity, I go, if it becomes a commodity that's only price sensitive and only goes up if it's hot, it means that you suck at your job and you should probably go do something else. I mean, full stop. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, the reality is that if they, the other thing is fans aren't stupid. And if you start feeling fake to them or if you feel like you are not treating them well, um, and, and, and if you lose that, that person who grew up with their family or whatever it is being connecting to that, that club or that badge or whatever that is, then you have done a terrible job. Yeah, that's exactly right. Advantages. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, I mean, there is no doubt in my mind. That my son is, he may or may not go to the University of Alabama, but he's going to love the <laughs> University of Alabama for his whole life. I mean, there's no doubt yes. about it, right? And and that's the that's what we should every team should be going for. And I, you know, and I get it. There's ups and downs in the fan journey, and you know, you should they should be you should be able to anticipate those and build those into your plan. And I think part of the challenge is like thinking more than just from season to season. You have to look at people and have a path for them, which I guess is probably, again, one of the themes I talk about is like, you got to have a customer journey, a fan journey, because people move through their fandom in different phases and different steps. And it's, you know, I mean, again, I could probably, this marketing thing I go on about all day long, um, you know, and if you're not careful, I will. Um, <laughs> but let me ask you about trends in ticketing. Um, as I'm sure you are, I, I get to talk to a lot of people and I know you do the same way. This is like one of the most valuable. Here's a plug for Intix. This is one of the most valuable things about Intix is the fact that like being a part of the, the technology committee and being someone who is heavily involved in Intix in the world of tickets, even though it's not a hundred percent of what I do, it gives me the opportunity to talk to almost anybody I want to. And yeah. so one of the key things I'm always looking for is trends. So uh, talking to somebody who is more well connected than even I am um, about trends I think it'll be great. So do you have like two, one or two or three trends that you're keeping an eye on or that like have bubbled up that you think you should draw people's attention to? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I, I always say, and this is, this may not be earth shattering, but you know, the competition for people's attention and people's um, willingness to spend right now is really, really high. And it's only going to continue to get high because whereas before you know, used to compete with the team down the street or the movie theater or, you know, some other type of live event, you're now competing with Netflix. You're now competing with Hulu. You're competing with the fact that in many cases you can get as good, and I'm going to come back to this, or better technical experience at home than you do at an arena or at the ballpark and all that stuff. And that's really, really challenging because getting people up off the couch is now kind of the bar that's being set. And that's really difficult because you know what? I like my couch. I'm lazy. I love my couch. <laughs> Anybody who's been to my house knows that this the, 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 the home <laughs> set, theater setup is fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> that being said, and I'll go to my grave saying this, there is no better experience than live entertainment. 
than going and hearing the roar of the crowd. That's right. The flyover, the encore, the cheers, the screams, all that stuff. And so I guess the trend that, that I would say or the need is we can't lose sight of that. You know, as people who either put on events or market events or are associated with events, keep that kind of at the core of what what you're trying to connect with at the consumer. Because if you can stay tapped into that, it doesn't I won't say it doesn't matter if you're good, because certainly, you know, it, it, it stinks to go and watch your team lose a lot. But you still want to be there to support them because you want to feel part of that overall again tribalism and that, that overall feeling. So so that that's one trend or challenge or opportunity, however you want to say. And then, you know, selfishly, I really believe, this sounds a bit like a commercial, but I do really believe and really interested in how what we're doing plays out. I think that um, a lot of the rights holders, a lot of uh, teams and clubs and people we talk to, and even at some of the league levels, um, you know, when I, when I first got here, um, we, we made a slight product strategy change um, based on what, you know, based on what I knew from my, my, my previous, my previous life. And some people were like, are you sure? Do, do you think we should do that? Do you think we should do that? And I called a bunch of people I knew, you know, people I've known for a long time and said, here's what I think we should be doing. And they all said, yeah, it's exactly what you should be doing. So I, I'm really excited to, to, to be a part of, 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 of again, a, a kind of a, a smaller but growing company and, and impacting that and seeing if we can kind of, you know, disrupt and, and, and change, change the industry again, because that's what QQ did with dynamic pricing. And so, again, so I guess that's a selfish trend more than anything else, but uh, I am really excited to see where we are a year from now. A selfish trend is totally acceptable on this podcast. I don't, I'm not a journalist. I'm just a, <laughs> just a knucklehead. <laughs> um, I, I, so I'll play ball, too. The, the attention – aspect is one that I that I definitely see and hear about all the time. The other one though that I'm keeping an eye on is the consumer spending power. And mm-hmm. especially in the states, um consumers just have less money to dedicate to um what they're spending on especially for leisure. So it may and these tie in probably selfishly again to the ability to market and sell value of a live experience. And I think that you know that highlights the the, the biggest trend is the need to get better um, well, to remember, put live entertainment in the spot, which is like it's a communal thing, which taps into our nature as people. It's there's a, a tribal thing, which is about like I'm here as part of this group. And then it's just an emotional thing. Right. It's, it's like the most powerful mix of adrenaline and endorphins and everything that you can get. I mean, I talk about the, when I went to see uh, Spurs versus Chelsea at Wembley last year, Thanksgiving weekend is Spurs won three to one. Um <laughs> it was the most exciting sporting event that I've ever been to, though. And, it, you know, and it, nothing will replace that. And I think we have to, or I took my lady to see the national at the anthem, and she was like, my God, this was like the greatest concert. And nothing replaces those. Or like, I have friends that call me up, I've taken them to Pearl Jam concerts, and they're like, oh, oh my God, this is like the greatest thing. And there's nothing that can trump that, right? And I think that's like where we're missing is, is it's what we need more of. It's the ability to connect with the people that are important to us. Um, in a way that's meaningful and that leaves a mark. And I think we should never lose sight of that. I agree. Or sometimes it's, it's, it's even the need to unplug, right? We're so plugged in constantly mm-hmm. with phones and streams and, and news and all this stuff that sometimes you just want to walk through, you know, a, a ballpark or, or an arena or, or a great, great club like the Anthem and just say, take me, you yeah. know, just take me somewhere. 
And then, you know, the world's still there when you walk out. And you know what? Maybe you've got 10 missed voicemails or whatever, but who cares? Right. I missed some emails and some tweets. It's totally fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. All right. So final question. And this is, this is the big one. Um, and this is like totally BS. Uh, so like if anybody thinks I'm being really serious here, like, please like, disabuse yourself of this right now. But Derek should, I'm going to actually want to put this on my website because you called me the only marketer you know that's not full of shit. That is true. <laughs> and that's the greatest endorsement ever. So I was really just busting yes. chops. There was no question like, attached. I just wanted Andrew, to get it on the record. <laughs> Andrew Thomas will tell you the first year I attended TPC when he asked for feedback, I said to him, um, I didn't hate this. And he thought that, that was a fantastic endorsement. You know, someone who goes to a lot, lot of conferences and does a lot of stuff, you know, sometimes you just kind of walk away and you're like, well, I'm sure I sounded stupid or I'm not certain I said anything, but every once in a while you walk away and you're like, hey, that was pretty good. So, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, the word I've been using, I wasn't a numpty <laughs> because yeah, I'm numpty. Australian. Yeah. I haven't been a numpty. So I just wanted to get that on the record. So now I can be like, well, Derek Palmer said I was the only marketer he knows is not full of it. So <laughs> that might even be in my bio now for my Let's speaking. Honest, I may have been drinking a little. <laughs> That's okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, Derek, man, how do I get? How do where do I point people to for you on the internet? Um, well, I'm I'm on Twitter at Derek Tix, D E R E K T I X X. I generally uh, scream about my sports teams and my two daughters, Cordelia and Willa. So not always about work. If you're always looking for that, but occasionally I'll get involved there. Uh, QQ is www.qq.com. We're actually going to be launching a new website here later this week. So hopefully by the time this airs, it's um, going to be focusing on, on some of that new product positioning that we've been talking about. Um, and then shameless plug for Intix, www.intix.org. Please take a look at the uh, education, uh, the committees, the annual conference we've got coming up in New York in January. Uh, we've got some great uh, engagements and great focus. Um, and then I pop up a lot of places. I'll be at the Future Tix conference in San Francisco. Um, yeah, if, if there's someone talking about ticketing, I'm either there or, or listening. So, right. yeah, I was gonna say like we we end up at all these ticket things. If there's two people that know, I, I can't say that we we know the most about tickets, but I think we're we're up there <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> well, Derek, thank you for doing the podcast, man. Of course, Dave. Appreciate it. What did you think of my conversation with Derek? Let me know by sending me an email. It is my name, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. You can also visit my website. It's DaveWakeman.com, and you can find uh, my blog, a calendar event, store, the whole deal. Clients, that everything's there. So visit DaveWakeman.com. Also, make sure that you are at the Ticketing Professionals Conference coming up in Sydney, Australia on the 14th and 15th of November. Get some tickets by visiting their website at www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Again, that's www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Um, you also, I'd love it if you'd be at my workshop on the 18th of November. That's Monday in Melbourne. Fans for Life, Creating and Keeping Fans is a one-day workshop. It's the accumulation and the uh, just the endpoint of about 12 to 24 months of studying new ideas, thinking about, and challenging myself to come up with new ways to reach and engage and grow a fan base. Uh, we're going to talk about 
lifetime fan value, the, the, the merchandise as a tool to get people to take a deeper dive into the relationship with you, um, the life cycle of a fan. We got all kinds of great stuff. It's going to be awesome. Okay, so go to Eventbrite, search Fans for Life, and it'll take you right there. Um, if not, send me an email, david, davidwakeman.com, and I'll make sure I get you the link. I really hope you'll come and join me. As always, I'd love it if you connect with me on the social media. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at David Wakeman, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Dave Wakeman. I should come up. If you are inclined and you like the podcast, I'd love it if you share an episode with someone. You can share the one today with Derek Palmer, uh, recent ones with Simon Mab, uh, Kat Spencer, um, Amy Maiden, uh, Angela Higgins, Joe Michelle, uh, all kinds of people, great people on the podcast, great conversations. If you have shared the podcast with somebody and you even want to do something a little bit more, Maybe you want to subscribe to the podcast. We're on all the major platforms now, so you can pretty much find us anywhere. Um, I had a client tell me the other day, he was like, I didn't believe it when I said to Alexa, play Dave Wakeman's podcast, and the podcast started, the last episode. So you can get it everywhere. Subscribe would be great. And if you want to go even one step further, this would mean the world to me. If you would leave a review or a rating, um, these things help people find the podcast and helps encourage me to continue to have great conversations that hopefully add value to you and your work. As always, I want to thank my friends at Booking Protect for being such great partners uh, in the podcast and just in all the other stuff that we do together. To find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect um, to deliver for your clients the world-class customer service that they provide and also give your customers a better more personalized and customized buying experience along with peace of mind in their purchases and a new stream of revenue for you and your organization visit them at www.bookingprotect.com again that's www.bookingprotect.com you can also find me and simon at the ticketing professionals conference so come by and see us and say hello uh it's going to be great one final note make sure you get my team's new email it's called talking tickets there's a link to it on my website, DaveWakeman.com. Each week, Talking Tickets is five stories from the world of tickets, sports business, entertainment, uh, and why they matter. A quick analysis, a couple sentences on why this is important, how to approach this, and what it can mean to your business. Uh, so you want to get that. If you can't find the link, send me an email, Dave at DaveWakeman.com with the subject line, Talking Tickets in it. I will get you signed up. It's great. As always... Thanks a lot for being here and listening, and until next time, take it easy.